Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. So we've got this 2001 A Space Odyssey right, but it just lacks so much Catholic guilt. What if we took the devils, added a huge dash of Holy Mountain, a sprinkle of Fantastic Planet, brew this at blood temperature in a sensory deprivation tank, ah, actually add some ayahuasca and magic mushrooms first, and then brew it for about an hour and 40 minutes, and we'll end up with a film that devoured a live goat so the fly could vomit on one later. We're talking about Ken Russell's Altered States, and this is Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast for an adventure to watch a century cinema decade by decade, year by year. I'm one half of your hosts, Liam Delaney, and with me is... Hello, I'm Oliver Jones. Hey. How you doing? You good? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm excited. You good? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you good? Are we just saying this back and yeah, forth? I'm good, do? I'm good. And we have a guest with us today. I'm not talking to you, fuckers. What? <laughs> this, this, this guy is a complete nerd asshole. Like, he told us, oh, I can't record this week, so can we postpone it? So we postponed it. So we thought, let's let's do a filler one. So we did Evil Dead. And I knew we were going to face the wrath of Rainer. Because, of you know. all the films you could have picked. <laughs> well, and you went with Evil Dead. <laughs> and not only that, I, I, I sent him a birthday present a few weeks ago, and he had the, <laughs> the audacity to call me a cunt. <laughs> You didn't put your name on it. What am I supposed to do? Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> I thought it'd be obvious who it was from. Yeah, it was pretty obvious, but I, th- I thought it was funnier to call you a cunt, to be honest. It's not meant to be a surprise who it's from, is it? Well, that isn't meant, that isn't the normal thing. No, I know it's not, but it doesn't matter anyway. Like, <laughs> so, so tell us what we got wrong about Evil Dead and what we should have mentioned. Um, you, you, you were, loads we should have mentioned. Yeah, but you, you got it pretty pretty bang on. To be fair, um, the only thing I really objected to was your uh, dismissal of the uh, of the remake. I had no dismissal of it. I just haven't seen it, so I can't dismiss. You still haven't it. seen it yet? No. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. I watched it once quite a few time ago. I don't think it's bad. I didn't mean to sound like oh. I thought it was bad. Um, it's just very full on i guess it's just like a really kind of extreme uh watching experience which i just found quite difficult i guess more than i was i was crying in the cinema when i was watching it <laughs> <laughs> at the end when she shows the chainsaw through the demon's face and just starts screaming at it for a good like solid 15 seconds as the yeah. camera swirls and cranes around her uh it's just one of the most glorious things I've ever oh, seen. I thought you were crying with sadness over the, no, I was, of the demon. No, I was overjoyed. Demon. demon. Intensity. Demon. <laughs> it's an intense film, it really yeah. is. But yeah, it's, uh, other than that, you're pretty bang on, I think. Yeah, I mean, like to be fair, there's loads of things I thought we could have mentioned and talked about afterwards, but, you know, fuck it. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure I thought of things at the time, and then by the time the episode ended, I was, I'd completely forgotten <laughs> about them. So, you know, we'll just chalk it up to a missed opportunity and move on. Well, but at the moment, I'm on a Twitter campaign to uh, tweet Bruce Campbell every single day to see if I get a retweet. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Has yeah. he ever, has he ever like, commented on anything you've done, James? Or, like, any, has he ever, like, acknowledged your existence? Uh, I don't think he's acknowledged my existence. Um, I have had a retweet from Edgar Wright, I think, at one point. Um, and Bear McCreary uh, once replied to one of my... I posted a bit of music that I'd done, and he replied with, like, a thumbs up or something. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, a, friend, yeah. a friend of mine got a birthday well wish from fucking Mark Hamill of all people. Either <laughs> that was bizarre. Well, kind of. Nah, yeah, but it, well, it was for his birthday. He doesn't say happy birthday, but it was for his birthday. <laughs> it seemed like Mark Hamill was accosted to do a cameo for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Martin's not a nobody. Well, I don't. Know. Let's not go there. <laughs> I would do what he asked me to do, though, if I was stuck with him. Yeah, stuck in, yeah, to be fair, yeah, if you look at the size of Martin, yeah, you'd probably do whatever he says, to be fair. <laughs> Just type in the world's scariest man on Google and you'll find out who Martin is. You'll find <laughs> yeah. him, yeah. Um, so, how are you doing, James? Are you good? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Uh, yeah, not a lot going on, still working. Yeah. Heads of Poppins finished now. So what's, so, what's happening with that now, then? Uh, it's out at a few festivals at the moment. Uh, can't post it online until uh, we hear back from those. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of in a state of limbo now until uh, it finishes getting some festival feedback. So I've just got to wait it out. But haven't you won something with it? or? Uh, yeah, um, the Hollywood Blood Festival. Uh, we won Best Dark Comedy. That's oh, sweet. Well yeah. Uh, that's, really cool, that, that's really the only thing that's happened since. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, submitted for a few reviews as well, so we'll see what happens with that. Maybe we'll get some uh, juice off that. Awesome. So what, what's the timeline really for like kind of releasing your film or sending it through kind of festivals? Like how long does that period of sending it to festivals last? Like... Um, well, I submitted it to a few which had really short dates on just as kind of gauge how that would pan out and we got into both of them so i submitted to a few more which had longer dates and i think the la- latest one i've got is like november at the moment so mm-hmm. yeah we'll see how it goes with those and you know if we don't get any more dates then i might just cancel it and just whack it online uh, but so yeah, what's hap- out. anything you know? happening with fright fest or anything cool uh well i haven't reached out to him yet right um, i know genera uh, the company that gave us the money wasn't too fussed about it, and they didn't give us any uh, uh, indication they were going to help us oh. with the submissions or anything. So, uh, yeah, we've just got to either pay to submit to Fright Fest or maybe reach out to those judges who gave, gave us the money and see if they can wangle us in there. Yeah. But I was kind of hesitant to submit to festivals because it's all online with the uh, pandemic and everything, and I was after like a proper screening, see it with actual, an actual audience. Yeah, yeah, that would, but, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, well, we'll see it's how it goes. It's a type of film that benefits from an audience, really. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you want people to be acting to it, and you know that mass thing. We did have a online screening, um, and the feedback from that was good. So I just wanted to hear the feedback actually in the room. Well, like um, nice. when yeah. I when I premiered one of my films, uh, Powerless, years and years ago, like one of the pre films I put on one of James's <laughs> earlier films called Supernatural on beforehand, and then. After it all finished, my dad was like, "Oh, can I watch that stupid actual one again?" I was like, "Not my one. <laughs> you want to watch the other one? <laughs> So, what have we all been watching this week? Anything, James? Uh, I watched uh, the Killer for the first time the other day. The uh, 1989 uh, John Woo action classic. Yeah, is it good? I liked it. It's uh, you know, it's a John Woo film, so you've got the two-handed uh, gunfights, you've got the doves, you've got the candles and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, didn't think it was as good as Hard Boiled. No, Hard Boiled's great. 
Yeah, very few things are as good as hard. I've noticed a lot of people are talking about that recently. Is there a reason why? Is it like an anniversary or something? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I just see it popping up in my socials and that a lot recently. Mm. I seem to have lost my DVD, which is very upsetting. So I've had to buy it again. Is it not on Baby Blue now? or On what? Blu-ray. Baby Uh, Blue? I think, (laughs) yeah. Um, I think there's an issue with the Blu-rays. I don't know if it's like the poor quality transfers or if it's got uh, dub titles or something like that. Um, I read somewhere that there's an issue. There's not a proper Blu-ray available. Okay. There is a a really high-quality bootleg that's available, but uh, I bought Drunken Master 2 from them, and it took about four months to arrive, so (laughs) I want to watch it this week, so I just bought a cheap one off Amazon. Fair enough. If yeah. you want to see this film, it's funny <laughs> enough. John Moore's um, an odd one here. He's, he's he's still making films, isn't he? I just don't I don't remember the last time I saw. Yeah, he's gone back to China. Um, like Jackie Chan has, he's gone back and he's making his own stuff uh, without having to deal with Hollywood. Although he does have to deal with yeah. the Chinese government, but yeah, yeah. that's apparently <laughs> less offensive than Hollywood. Did he? He did his two kind of. Didn't he do like a kind of Chinese epic? Red Cliff. Red Cliff, yeah. He's done two of them, I think, hasn't he? Uh, I'm not sure. Red Cliff was a while ago, I think. Yeah, there's two of them, I think. Yeah, it was split up into two. Yeah. That seems always that seems to be kind of the prerequisite for working for the Chinese government. You have to kind of do your kind of historical Mm. epic and get that kind of propaganda in or something. Yeah, yeah. I also found that I've got a better tomorrow on DVD which I completely forgotten about so I'm going to rewatch that at some point. I've not seen that in a in 20 odd years I think. Yeah, me too. I think that was one of one of the first DVDs I bought. Yeah, it was one have... of those old uh, IM, uh, MIA uh, Oh DVDs. yeah. <laughs> Terrible transfers and the burnt in subtitles and everything but yeah, um what else have I been watching? I watched Short Circuit the other week. <laughs> first time in a long time. I've seen the first one. Um, was, was that film like originally intended to be a bit more, a bit darker than it was? Do you reckon? Or uh, I'm not sure. I watched an interview with the writers, and they kept talking about how the tone wasn't right, right. but they didn't specify in what way. That's a good point. It's. Uh, I don't I'm surprised that hasn't no, been remade. Um, actually, the second one's pretty dark. Interview like what was five days ago? Mm. Oh yeah, I noticed that's like cropped up again. Yeah, I think it's a weird one with that because yeah, I can't remember what show it was on, but he was talking about it. Yeah, he's um, is quite dodgy that he's playing an Indian guy. And quite wasn't... dodgy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, it wasn't written as an Indian guy, and then it, it's more of a reflection on uh, John Badham, the director, than anything else, because he decided to make it Indian and oh, not what? recast. Oh, right. And then Fisher Stevens decided he, he didn't want to do it, so they recast another white guy. Uh, to play the part, and then he dropped out, and Fisher Stevens got it back. But <clears throat> he uh, he seems like he treated the part with respect. Like he wasn't playing it as a caricature. He went off to India and studied uh, like the people and the the culture and everything to play the part. So he wasn't just uh, tossing it off. But it's <laughs> just a dodgy decision in the first place. If I remember though, he's not a massive part in the first one. Though, really, is he? No, he's a sidekick. So to, like... uh, but so he's more so the second one where he's like a yeah he's the lead that's yeah. what that's the one that he really studied up for and went to India right 
uh, for like a month before they started right. shooting. I don't remember the second one at all. It's a good performance, but it's just... Fisher Stevens is great. Not very PC. Yeah. The second one was more of like a crime heist thing. Like I really like the second one. I think I prefer the second one to the uh, to the first one. Yeah. I just remember the bit where he gets like completely battered up and he becomes mm. like a punk version of himself. Yeah, it's pretty harrowing where he just gets the shit beaten out of him by these thugs with uh, crowbars and then he spends half the film bleeding to death. (laughs) And then at the end, he's like, (laughs) he's like, they do a see-through PO where they kind of like spray him like gold. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him being gold-plated at the end. Yeah. I always wanted one of those little ones though, because like Benjamin Fisher Stevens' character makes like little versions of Johnny Five. Mm. I always wanted one of those. I have seen a few uh, crop up like 3D printed um figures come up on instagram you know there's lots of bootleg merchandise you can get on instagram um i've seen some johnny five stuff interesting Mm. liam you watching anything um yeah what have i been watching this week i guess in terms of new releases i watched uh the woman in the window um with uh, amy Amy adams Adams, and directed by John Joe Wright, yeah, it's Joe Wright, yeah. Oh, who did like uh, Anna Karen? Yes, Anna Karenza and uh, Pride and Prejudice and, and Darkest Hour, which I thought was rubbish. I and love Hannah. Hannah the Churchill one, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Churchill. Yeah, Hannah, Hannah is rad that. though. Hannah's great, yeah. Um, so kind of a mixed bag with Joe Wright. He did Pan as well, which I never saw. Oh, so. he looked bad. Um, it looked bad, yeah. And I <laughs> just don't need to see Peter Pan stories anymore. I don't understand why people keep doing them. Public domain. Uh, oh no, it's not public domain, is it? That's uh, it can't you got to deal. No, because yeah. you got to deal with the barrier state and all the money yeah. goes to Great Almond Street. I think. I just think the barrier state continuously push it. Basically, yeah. I think, I think they're just really active in selling the rights off and things. It's an IP in it, so they're going to yeah. continually make it. There was a uh, Sky One version on a few telly a few years ago, and my my uh, second cousin was one of the Lost Boys in it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new Peter Pan coming out, isn't there, as well? It's oh, no. <laughs> based, it's, a, it's a Disney live action, so it's based on the Disney live action one or something. Like, is it called Pan and Wendy or something? Is it? Oh, is that where they've kind of done a bit of a, a race kind of? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it looks quite good, actually. It doesn't look too bad. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're always making Pan films. But like, um, yeah, Woman in the Window, it's, it's rubbish. it's it's rubbish like and it's what what's really baffling about it is it's basically rear it's not it's trying to be rear window you know like um whereas rear window you got like uh jimmy stewart trapped in that tiny little sweaty apartment and in this you've got um amy adams trapped in a giant four-story fucking huge house that doesn't have any personality to it it doesn't have any kind of threat to it and there's a bit in the middle of the, the middle of the film where she hallucinates a car crash. I'll try and not give spoilers away if people are going to watch it. But she hallucinates a car crash and you see the car in this huge house. And it feels like the whole film was designed around like Joe Wright had that image in his head or something. Like he wanted to put that into this film and that and the whole film was kind of constructed around it, really. Right. Um, or that was his only idea because I know it's a book. It's, you know, like 
for ages these like what do they call them is it airport thrillers were coming out and mm. they're all called like the girl in the something or the woman in the something like <laughs> girl on the like train Gone girl and the girl on the train and all stuff like that yeah the woman in the window is just another one of those at the same time and i heard the book was crap anyway and the, yeah the film um it the film has like half completed ideas like almost to a point when i think it got hacked apart because they thought it was too confusing and there's there's stuff in it that it's almost like scenes get chopped in half or finish early and stuff like that. Um, there's whole plot elements that I've now read up but that cut out of the film and things. Um, it's it's crap. It's so crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's such an easy idea to do, but like they give Amy Adams nothing to make her like character like appealing or sympathetic or or for you to kind of understand her or like her or anything because the whole point is she's meant to have agoraphobia. Um, but they have no connection for her. She's just a kind of horrible person, really, who you don't wonder, really like. I wonder what drew her to it then, because she's normally quite... She normally picks roles, you know... She picks good roles normally. Well, yes, yeah, six-time Academy nominated. Exactly, yeah. Adams, uh, never won. I can, I can see this on paper being in a... Like her seeing this as a female-led film, strong character. It's kind of a complicated character, Hitchcock pastiche. You know, it's part of that kind of you know uh, thriller kind of elements. It's normally a type of film that gets an acting nom. I think I can see her thinking that on the script, but just the way it comes off, it doesn't doesn't fucking work at all. <laughs> like, and it's just I imagine Netflix as a as a decent paycheck as well. Yeah, so well, it wasn't. Have... It was bought by Netflix, wasn't it? Cause was it? It's another one of those films that was, uh, like, I don't understand why this film didn't get released in the height of lockdown because it's about a woman with agoraphobia <laughs> who can't go outside. Like, and this film got completed in 2019. It got bought by Netflix in like early 2020, like April 2020 or something like that. I can't remember the dates. And they just sat on it and released it like now at the end of lockdown. And it just seems really like the, the decision for that is either like they would. Well, they weren't pushing for noms because it's a weird time to release a film, but it's probably because they had no faith in it. They saw it, frankly, and just mm. didn't have any faith in releasing it. They weren't holding off the cinema or anything like that, so I don't know. Unlike but, uh, the Cloverfield one where they bought it and then released it that afternoon, it seemed. <laughs> afternoon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was... Was that the third one? Is yeah. That, the, paradox uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, yeah, that film was... God. Apparently yeah. they're doing another one now that's an actual sequel to the first one. Good. So, <laughs> Fine. But I, I guess as James is here as well, I've been catching up with my uh, Godzilla. So um, nice. I'm currently... I, I last watched... Um, so which ones did I just watch? I just watched All Monsters Attack and Godzilla vs. Hedra. Nice. Um, um, All Monsters Attack is so weird. Yeah. That's I don't the, even know uh, why it's called that. <laughs> They just seem to be basically monster mad libs by the point you get to the 70s. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, that's the, the uh, bullied kid one, isn't it? The, it is. Basically the, yeah. the clip show from the previous yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird film. <laughs> it's it's kind of sweet, though. I didn't hate yeah, it. Yeah, it did. It's, it's got a kind of personality to it. Yeah, totally. And in terms of Godfrey films, it's one of the most coherent in, yeah. in the kind of the way the two elements of Godzilla films always kind of crash with each other. Mm. So you always have the kind of human story and then the Godzilla story. And sometimes, sometimes they kind of don't really <laughs> play together. Like mm. 
quite often the human story just goes away when Godzilla turns up. But this one had a bit more of a see-through. I mean, not, not see-through, a bit more of a path. It was and kind of sweet at the end. It's not mm. good, but it, I, I kind <laughs> of enjoyed watching it, if I'm honest. And and Godzilla yeah. vs. Hedera, I'm, I'm a bit mm. undecided on it. So it's, it's, that's just wacky. Like, yeah. Trippy 70s yeah. like, uh, trip movie. It's Lots so weird. Psychedelic I imagery. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I didn't think the Godzilla films were going to be so like Bondy, like Bondish. Like, yeah, you know, they like, do kind of drift into it occasionally. And a lot of kind of surfery kind of like 60s music and 70s music and stuff. And uh, Yeah, there's a the guy who kind of takes over because um, Ishiro uh, Honda was kind of leading the series through the 60s, uh, directing it. And then yeah. in the 70s, uh, this guy, uh, John Fukuda, I think his name John, is. Yeah, John something. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he kind of took it in a more campy direction and brought in the kind of surf guitar scores and things like that. Right. And... Uh, yeah, Hedera is uh, is the most extreme example of that. They kind of the studio looked at it and went, "Well, we're not doing that again," and they kind of turned yeah. it back for the for the next few. It definitely feels like a, an attempt to kind of grab the kind of seriousness of the first film as well. Like it's it, after watching after like the slow progression of watching all the kind of like Godzillas, and especially because mm. Ishiro seems so comfortable with just making a Godzilla film, he just seems mm. to be able to do it without thinking. And this one seems to have gone like a bit too out there to do something that says something and all the pollution stuff and things. It's just a little too, it's too heavy handed along with the kind of weird trippy out mm. there stuff along with it. And it was a Isn't little... this the one where Godzilla flies as well? It's the... I know the header of flies. I can't remember Godzilla flying, but that might have he, um, <laughs> uses his He like turns around, uses his fire breath to kind of project himself across the sky. Sure, why not? <laughs> it's, yeah, that's one of the low lights of the franchise for me. Some people yeah. love it, and I'm just like, that's that's stupid. <laughs> In this franchise of incredibly stupid things, that's the stupidest yeah. thing. <laughs> I did, yeah, I didn't, it didn't sit with me, Hedder, that much, I have mm. to say. So I'm looking forward to watching the remaining few. I don't know if I'll go on to watch anything past the Showa, um, but my goal is to at least watch all the Showa films. So I've got about, was it four left, I think? Yes, yeah, something like that. The last one is uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla. And that's yeah. 75. Yeah, so yeah. I can't have that many left because Hedda is like 71. Mm. They, can't, they can't make that many. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think. <laughs> but it's been fun. I've really enjoyed the Godzilla films. I've really enjoyed putting them on. They're very easy to watch and mm. they're very, they're very, they're not what I thought they were. Like Godzilla's son is the weirdest character I've ever been introduced. <laughs> it's, I went like, and every time he turns, I'm like, I didn't know this character existed. How did I not know this was like a real character that shows up in multiple films? Yeah, it's, that's <laughs> another thing. I forgot about him. I was too focused on the flying Godzilla. <laughs> Minero, whatever his name is. Yeah, Manila. Like donkey. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah. It's oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> It looks so weird as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they like bring a... they bring him back in the uh, in the eighties and nineties series, they they? and uh, they initially make him more realistic, like a baby version of Godzilla. Yeah, instead uh, of like a human baby with a yeah, tail. Yeah, and then in the next one, they completely disregard that and make him the cartoony like sixties <laughs> version again. And then in the next film, he's back to being slightly more realistic. It, they they don't know what the fuck they're doing with it, basically. 
Oh, you're making me want to keep watching them. After <laughs> the 80s and 90s ones are my favourites. Okay, okay. But they do get more convoluted with the plots. Sure. Uh, at least watch uh, Godzilla vs. Uh, King Ghidorah. Okay. Which I think is the 91 version, because that's just insane. Okay, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I'll, yeah. Maybe I'll get there. We'll see what I'm doing. <laughs> but they're good, and I I love um I love quite a lot of things about it. They're good. They're fun films. Like and, mm. and Ollie, and you need to catch up. Like, I know. But James is glad he sent me that USB stick with the films <laughs> on because I've watched none of them. <laughs> I spent money on that USB stick. Yeah. Well, you're a. Cop. <laughs> What have you been watching then, Ollie? Well, um, not as much as last week because I got Resident Evil 8 on the PlayStation, so I've been blasting my way through that. Mm. Um, it's super silly and super camp and a lot of fun. Um, but uh, film-wise, I have... What have I watched? Uh, I watched uh, Spike Lee's Clockers. Oh, I love Clockers. I watched that recently, yeah. No, it's a very good film. Um, yeah. I, I think it's uh, a little bit dated in some some respects like the some of the music cues are a bit a bit cheese and um okay and uh i think um well i think the main i think the performances are great you know great cast you know you've got yeah. keith david in it there as well you got um is it mickey mickey i can't pronounce his name mickey fife mickey oh yeah yeah he was in like he was in er and stuff like that he's yeah like he's the lead he's really good uh you've got um Thomas Jefferson Bird and Delroy Lindo. Del- yeah, yeah. Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Harvey Keitel, yeah. You've got John Turturro. Um, John really Turturro, good. who's... It's it's pre-Turturro having, like... Because now he's just, like, a bug-eye actor. And now if you watch him, he's like... <laughs> like, I think Transformers ruined him. Well, and uh, they bought him a lot of houses as well. <laughs> probably, yeah. But, like, like, I used to... Like, early performances by the him are great, like Barton Fink and stuff like that. Sure. The but, Barton um, Fink is... After the clock, no, it's no, it's not. It's before. No, it's not. Yeah, but um, like I, the only I had the only issue I had with the film really was I didn't think it set the cap. It took me a while to to get up to speed with the film because like, spoil. I mean, it's a, it's like a twenty five year old film at this point, but it's a, <laughs> but basically it's about a bunch of uh, clockers or kids who's who like what sell drugs on the street for like a kind of like a, the bigger heavy kind of. Yeah, it's um, it's written by the guy who wrote The Wire. Yeah. So if you've watched The Wire, basically Clockers is like a pre-version of The Wire with Spike yeah, Lee's kind of, Yeah, basically, really. yeah. Um, uh, originally, it was meant to be directed by um, uh, Martin Scorsese, I think. I think he's a producer on it, or at least just in name only. But um, Yeah, I think that makes sense. But... Uh, um, yeah, it's really good. But like as I said, like I think it took me a while to get to speed with it because like you're introduced to his brother and then straight away he's like basically Mechie Pfeiffer's character's like he's been told he's gotta kill this kind of mm. guy. Obviously he doesn't want to do it, so he, he goes to his brother and his brother's meant to be like quite, you know, quite good natured and you know, he's kind of respectable and stuff like that. And he tries to convince his brother to do it, and it just felt a bit odd to me. And he just like it, it at least let me know who this character is first before you kind of okay, yeah. get into all that and stuff. And but uh, but I thought it was really good, and uh, I liked his train set, kind of his hobby that he's he loved trains. Thought yeah. that was a nice little quirk and stuff like that. And then how it's about grooming, like he got groomed, and then he started to yeah. groom that other kid, and then kind of but he then he kind of clocked on and realised what he was doing and kind of wanted to change his ways a bit. 
Cockers is the one with um, Spike Lee's fake video game, isn't it? Oh, I forgot about that. He's got like a weird. He's got. A, he's got a weird like Virtual Boy thing. Well, he's got something. a Sega Saturn or something around yeah. his. Or is it the Nomad or something like that? He's got one of those consoles around his waist, and he's got a VR headset on. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, he's playing this weird gangster game that looks terrible. It looks terrible. It's like GTA, but it's just like heightened. Yeah, well, it doesn't look good, but I mean, it's just pretending to be what what people think GTA is. And you kind of it. you've got Spike Lee in it, who kind of I guess he he's only in it at the beginning and the end, but he's kind of almost like the audience, kind of like watching in on it, kind of. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And um, the main character's kind of got like a stomach issue, and I don't know if he's meant to be like lactose intolerant or something. But he's like, he's constantly drinking like milkshake. But he's got like really <laughs> oh, yeah. bad stomach. Oh yeah, because that's part of the plot, isn't it? Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I, my Spike Lee this week was um, Mo Better Blues, by the way. Oh yeah, uh, which um, I loved. <laughs> like again, I just I just put on these Spike Lee films and go. Wow, that's a really good film made by yeah. a really competent filmmaker who, like, and I didn't, I didn't even know what Mo Better Blues was about. I didn't know it was about jazz. I didn't know Spike Lee was in it. I didn't know Denzel Washington was in it. I didn't know Wesley Snipes was in it. I didn't know um, what's his name from Breaking Bad's in it, Giancarlo <laughs> Esperito. Was he playing Breaking Bad, the bag, the chicken guy? Yeah, yeah. And it's you watch it go, oh my god, he's been making these like really just solid like films full of like amazing cast since well, I mean, forever like D- delroy lindo's amazing in that in this film like yeah like he, the way he kind of acts around the main character like how he, he you know calls him his son or like i've got all yeah. the i've got these real kids but you know you're my real son and stuff like that and like how he grooms him and then when he turns on him and stuff yeah. like that so good. he's terrifying when he turns in that yeah. like yeah. yeah and when the police come to get him in the shop Oh, because he's, like, he's, I don't know what quite he has. It's like a barber shop, but it also sells food. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange it's like shop. A, yeah, I don't, it might, I don't know if like that's what a bodega is or something. Yeah, I in guess New York. so. Just a bit uh, of everything. Yeah, just, it just serves the kind of corner of the city. Also, they live in Nelson Mandela House, which I think is the same name <laughs> as Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else did I watch? I watched uh, Ace Ventura, which I haven't seen in about. I haven't. I can't even remember when the last time I watched that was. And, um, first one or the second one? First one. Yeah. Like um, Jim Carrey is amazing in that film, but there's no getting past how bad the ending is now. <laughs> like how it yes. comes across. Yeah. Like I know. I think me and Lynn differ a little bit on how it plays out. Like in my head, the reason why the main character transitions is just to kind of get revenge. This is what I thought, and then like he. He killed the woman to kind of take her identity, but I, I don't know. Either way, it's still bad. But you know, <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen the first one. I can't remember how but, the plot unfolds. But Jim Carrey is amazing in it. He's so good. Like he's, it's such a well-formed character. I think it's. Mm. I think he is really good in it. But like I said, that ending is just like. Oof. I forgot. To be honest, I kind of forgot that's what happened. <laughs> I was like, oh God. I was um, watching. Um, poetic justice the other day john singleton film oh, yeah. and um there's character in it um tone loke is in it really briefly oh from yeah the, the rapper yeah the rapper and i was listening to him and his voice is so unique and it's so identifiable and i was like oh yeah what is that voice why do i know <laughs> that voice and i couldn't place it. i just couldn't place his face couldn't place him whatsoever and then i was just like it's fucking ace ventura yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
And there he is, yeah. And these voices just—it's one of the best voices in Hollywood, or this amazing kind of gravity voice. Like when you hear him sing, like Wild Thing, he just sounds like himself. Do you know what I mean? Wild <laughs> Thing. I think he does Nice Ventura rap as well. He does. Yeah, yeah. definitely over the credits. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, still watch. Oh, because uh, it was Star Wars Day a few well, a week or so ago. Um, I got the 4K editions of all the Star Wars films, so I started on Phantom Menace the other day in 4K. Okay. Um, the effects in that film, oof. Oh, really? Yeah, like, it's, because they couldn't nail textures in, though, like, back in the late 90s mm-hmm. or whatever, everything is just wrinkly. It's really bizarre. <laughs> That's the get-out clause of, like, making things look real is just make things look wrinkly. Like, I think the actual character designs look cool. Like, um... So Bulba looks wicked. He's like a horrible little nasty Bulba little cool. yeah. little thing. And um, Watto, even, okay, aside from the whole, you know, <laughs> the fact that he's like a Jewish stereotype. He look, he, he actually looks good as a character, but um, but a lot of the compositing is a bit iffy in the places and stuff like that. And to be fair, it, it is an early CGI heavy film. But yeah, I, I, I don't remember who of... Bulba is. Sebulba's like, he's one of the it. pod racers. He's like the he's like Anakin's like arch nemesis pod racer, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's he like kind of walks. He walks. No, he's only got. Yeah, I remember the multiple legs element now. Yeah. No, he walks on his hands and he uses legs as arms. Right. Okay. And so he's only got. Like he's that. still got the same amount as we have, but he just uh. <laughs> uses different ways. Um, my favorite kind of thing about the prequels really is the fact that these. This this madman basically dragged them into making digital filmmaking when the technology wasn't there at all. Mm. Like, and they didn't even have like tennis balls and sticks when they were making it. You know, that when the when they were doing the first one, um, they were they were so blind about how to kind of do this digital technology and stuff that I just find that really fascinating and but like and kind of cool. Like, if you they watch, were just, they were learning as they were going. You know, what how light works and how to do it and things. Well, like. um um Hugh McGregor, like whenever he's looking at um Jar Jar Binks, he's like looking either too high or to the left <laughs> too much and it's never yeah. quite matching. But um, never quite goes, why don't we get an eye line for this character? Like it's But um Liam Neeson is awesome in that film. He's yeah, so he is. good. Um yeah. It's the best one of the of the first films. Mm, I, don't I, know. I, stand I have, that. I, have I, really... I, I want to rewatch the others. But the the thing that annoys me the most is it's the only one that was shot on film. I think it was shot on 35 mil. Mm-hmm. But because every single shot is an effect shot, I think it was all rendered at like 1K, so like okay. 1080p. So it'll never look any better than that. Yeah. It's and then the next in. two are actually shot at 1080p. So like when you upscale it to 4K, it just doesn't look that great. There's a lot of weird artifacts like because well, the they're, thing they're obviously with... trying to sharpen it or denoise it or like yeah smooth it and it just looks a bit odd so um that's I'm the thing looking... with a lot of blockbusters like all these big budget films all of their effects are like rendered at like 2k so yeah. even the 4k releases of something that came out last year aren't technically at 4k well like even back like so back when they did films optically they like for the old star wars films they, they'll do their do effect shots optically? well so they'd do it like physically by hand do you know what I mean like with an actual machine it's like it's almost like after effects but a physical machine where you can do overlays and stuff like that yeah. but um they they do all the effects at, in 70 mil so when mm. they scale it down it goes back to 35 which is what the main film shot at so actually it's probably like if you i mean they've probably the way they've done all the special editions now they've fucked it up but if, if they went back to the original 
versions of the 35 mil prints it would actually look a lot better than any of the prequels and probably the new ver- the new actually i think the new films were shot on film and i'm guessing they probably rendered those effects out of 4k and we're probably boring everyone now but anyway <laughs> <laughs> i think it's our target audience <laughs> um, I, I think it's my favorite thing my sorry my it's one of my least favorite things about the special editions actually is the fact that those like those like cgi stuff that he puts in and things look so bad yeah. like now like they've aged so they've aged worse than just watching the originals you know and, and the original special effects it's well, aged he's redoing worse the jabba doesn't he God. In the in the first film, <laughs> oh yeah, they they re, he did, he redid that a few times, and I think he mm. put I think like in the Phantom Menace that I watched yesterday, um, Yoda is no longer a puppet. Yoda is now CGI because that puppet oh, was good. Bad. <laughs> um, what was I, I hate there? Yoda in those prequels. Yoda is the worst character in those prequels. <laughs> if you watched them in like order from prequels all the way to the end, you'd be like not happy to see yoda you'd be like why is yeah. the villain of the film <laughs> like in in the, in the film now so he's such a dick in those first three films uh, but like i i kind of like I, I like fact that it's such a slow film like the pacing is just like it's so laborious it's, it's i don't know there's a lot of nothing happening but at the same time i kind of like it in a weird way i don't know i think it's I, that's it i don't know if we got give it's why I give Phantom Menace the it's the best one out of them because it's the one that like I think is paced to something and mm-hmm. kind of and and just structured without like a fear like you feel the fear of like fan backlash and the the other two and you feel him like worrying about people kind of this one's a bit more it's, it's it. pre any of that so it's a bit more yeah, honest I'm not honest but like also I, I think know. my um, nostalgia for it like I remember us going to the cinema like opening day and. Yeah. We'd have those magazines that you get at the the foyer that tell you all the new films, and we we're like rolling them up and doing like saber fights, and people were like telling us to fucking sit down and shut up. I had all my com <laughs> chips. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then finally, I watched um, the film that you picked for me to watch last week. Yeah. And I watched A Razorhead, and, and thoughts. I absolutely loved A Razorhead. Of course. It's so good. Like, it looks amazing. And, like, I've never seen it. It's like it's, it's like an art film, really, isn't it? Like, it's, it's totally bonkers. Yeah. And it's a film that you can't... I don't think you can really critique it. It's not like a film saying, well, this part's good, this part's bad. It's either kind of like you like it or you don't, I think. Because <laughs> everything's so specific. That you can't say... It's not like you can pick it apart plot-wise or performance-wise. Because it's so... Everything's just so specific but um i always think of it as a film of visuals i guess yeah in, like you know it way. starts off with like um almost like an asteroid planty thing where this there's like a, a cardboard like almost rocket kind of thing where this man lives that's pulling gears and <laughs> then, yeah. then you've and like it, the whole film i'm guessing really it's kind of about um a young couple who are experiencing like a uh, well, they're having a they ha- they've had a baby, like, and it's it's been born prematurely, and I think that's kind of what it is, kind of when you boil it down. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, um, and then obviously he then becomes a single parent, and there's a bit of infidelity in there and stuff like that. And but then there's all like you know, I haven't really, I only watched it today, so I haven't really processed it all properly. But yeah, sure. Like you know, he's in his in his like uh, apartment. He's kind of got like 
it's like manure under his radiator. He's got manure piled up on top of his cabinets. There's, you know, his chest of drawers, you know, in people's houses, they've just got random pipes sticking out. And, you know, there's a, a, a woman who kind of lives behind the radiator. <laughs> and she sings a song in it, which I love, actually. I love that song that she sang. Um, and the guy's kind of got this crazy, wild, like, almost like he's been electrocuted. Like, the whole way through the film, it's got this weird, like, humming, like, almost like an electrical hum kind of thing. So it's kind of like it's charging his hair and stuff. And I don't know, he's kind of got, like, a baby face. And I, I don't know, I just loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And it's just, it's like, just bizarre, but in all the best possible ways. Yeah, it's, it's the type of film, like, how do I say this? I think people think it's easy to make kind of visually shocking films or like loose narrative kind of mm. cinema. Oh no, this is definitely very thought out. Yeah, because Lynch is an expert, like, yeah. and that's why it's really good. It's not, it's not really good because it's easy to be kind of, you know, off the wall or something. But do you it's... know what? I didn't find it pretentious though. No, it's, I don't think so even. No, I just that's, that's true. Have you seen it, Jim? Uh, no. I, no, I really only, recommend uh, it. It's good. The only Lynch film I've seen is uh, Mulholland Drive. Right. Wasn't a fan no. of that. No. Oh, well, that was originally like a TV series, wasn't it? Mm. Really kind of retrofitted to be a film. But um, I didn't know that. But uh, th- like, this has got so many things I love. It's kind of got stop motion effects in it. It's got like practical, like, like because the baby in it does not look like a baby. It's kind of this weird no. kind of. But at the end, it kind of mutates and becomes this giant head that's kind of keep popping around <laughs> everywhere. It's, it's awesome. I loved it. You'll be um, very unsurprised to learn that Lynch was offered this film that we're doing today. No, I'm not surprised. So um, (laughs) just before we get onto that, uh, so James, you've got a number 1 to 174 to pick and then I'll watch that film for next week. Just for anyone not who who might be new to listening to this, I've got a list of DV, uh, Blu-rays and DVDs that I haven't watched, so I've kind of compiled them all into a big document, and it's all numbered. And so Liam picked like fifty number fifty-two last week, and that was a razor head. So James, one to one hundred and seventy-four, go for it. Uh, one hundred and sixty-eight. Oh, I'm not watching that. <laughs> it's Winnie the Pooh (laughs) I insist that you watch alright I'll watch Winnie the Pooh it's Winnie the Pooh yeah I don't know it's a a Disney DVD I've got (laughs) it's Winnie the Pooh it's numbered it's it's one of their numbered ones so it's got to be a feature film or something I don't know oh I've seen that one I'll I'll watch that A raise ahead to Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. It's not the 2011 <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, then. No, it's no, it's like from the 70s. Yeah. Okay. I've, 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 that that'd be the Winnie the Pooh I watched 4,000 times as a kid. Then <laughs> I had on VHS and watched it constantly. <laughs> right then. Well, a raise ahead to Winnie the Pooh. I think that makes sense. <laughs> I think that's a good pick. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> But I did buy it, so you know I bought it for a reason. Do you know why I bought it though? I was oh. <laughs> after I did the prodigy video, I kind of went into a bit of a slump because you kind of have this massive high of doing this the biggest projects you've ever done in life, and you think, oh, I need to fill my time with doing something now. And they released all the <laughs> Disney films in these special edition cases, and they were like really hard to get. So I just spent all my time tracking them down. 
<laughs> that's what just to get all the numbers on your shelf. Yep. <laughs> you were Jason Mewes looking for Star Wars figures. Pretty much, yeah. Heroin. I was just yeah. thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not a heroin addict, so it's a bit different. Uh-huh. I'm just checking. Glad if you the on Disney Plus. See, I'm not sure if it's actually a film film. I don't know if it's like a mixture of like several shorts or something put together. I don't know which one of these it could be because is it? It's not Pooh's Heffalump movie. No. Sure, it's not a 2011 one. Hang on, let me have a look. Oh, is it The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh? Probably. I don't know. 1977. Yeah, that'll be the one. Oh, fantastic. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we get on to today's topic? Let's let's go on to it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so... um, Today we're we're discussing uh, Ken Russell's altered states. In the basement of one of the country's leading medical schools, Dr. Edward Jessup, candidate for a Nobel Prize, is conducting the most dangerous experiment in the history of science. And the subject of the experiment is himself. Ask him what kind of an experience I can expect. It's deafening. The noise is deafening. It's blacked out. What happens during these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration, like you're being shot out over millions, billions of years. Time simply obliterates. You guys are shooting up with an untested drug that stacks up in the brain and works in the nucleus of the cell, and you don't call that dangerous. Now, I'm asking you to put the experiment off until we understand a little more in order to minimize the risk. I'm really frightened. We could be screwing around with this whole genetic structure. Now, how do we stop this? We've got millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us, our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. He may be on to something that is beyond our own comprehension. Now, because I believe him, I want this thing stopped. The hell was that? You okay? If you love me, if you love me, Eddie, get fired! Altered states. So this film is about kind of a bunch of research scientists who are obsessed with uh, kind of uh, like hallucinogenic drugs and and their experiments with isolation tanks. Uh, and William Hurt's kind of um, I don't know regression into kind of a a more primordial state. He seems to be the one kind of uh, cheerleading and spearheading the project. Everyone else seems to be kind of uh, just backing him up for, out of loyalty or something. They don't seem to be as into it as he does. I am. Um, yeah. I, I, I could talk about Bob Balaban. <laughs> I loved Bob Balaban in this. I he's great in so everything. Good. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know, even more recently, like he's been in like. Uh, Wes Anderson films and that, like he's the narrator, yeah. wasn't he? And um... he's in a lot of Chris Guest films as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he is. Yeah, he's he's in the Lady in the Water, <laughs> my favourite film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
which I seem to bring up constantly. Um, but I loved how, like, his character, as you say, just was not into it. So he's just like, yeah, whatever, I'll record you. I'll record some notes. So, and it, he was, he spoke to me as the only kind of character in this film that felt like an actual academic. Mm. Like when, when the others didn't feel like academics to me at all, William Hurt, I'm sorry, Bob Balaban was oh, yeah, like, that's yeah. what every academic's actually like. <laughs> well, look that at his beard, his like. hair, his glasses, just his whole yeah. demeanor, smoking a spliff every now and again. Or yeah, casually with a cardigan, smoking a spliff, going yeah. to parties, being a bit relaxed and, you know, publishing rarely, just wanting to get some money to keep keep on the board. Like It was just <laughs> like, yeah, that's the actual, actual academic life, not like William Hurt's like obsession with whatever he's obsessed with in this film. Yeah, I, I really couldn't get on board with uh, William Hurt as a character. No, uh, I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> he's just... I, I've never found William Hurt especially likeable person. You kind it's of... good... Uh, is it, obviously, this was his first film. He was the was first it? thing he's ever cast as. Yeah, like, um, we'll talk about the history of the film a little bit, but yeah, this was the first time he was ever cast in. I, think, I, know, I know Ken like, Russell didn't cast him, did he? It was the original. No, no, no. Peter Petri or Pe- Peter yeah. Petri um, did. Um, we'll get into it, yeah. But, like, William Hurt's... Um, I love William Hurt in Broadcast News. I think that's my favourite William Hurt performance. He's really, really, really good in Broadcast News and really kind of likeable, actually. Um, but since then, I'm not... I don't know. Is there anything else I like him in, really? Thunderbolt Ross, maybe. <laughs> he I was in History of Violence. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, which a Cronenberg film, which I think you know Cronenberg's obviously echoed in this film a lot, um, or at least kind of body horror in his later mm. stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. William Hurt's an odd guy. He's obviously like really recognizable name in Hollywood, but I never really think of. I him was as, in like, AI as well. It was, you know. Oh, and Dark City. To be fair, I do love Dark City. Dark City's good. Dark City's very good. I forgot he's Thunderbolt Ross. He's going to be in Black Widow as well. The <laughs> film that I don't care about. We're, lo- we're losing James. We're losing James. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the kind of history of this film is is, is bizarre, really. Um, it's It all kind of starts with uh, this writer, uh, who his name I find difficult to pronounce, but it's uh, Paddy Chayefsky. Chayefsky, yeah. Chayefsky, yeah. uh, who's a you know three Oscar winning writer. You know he did Marty, he did Network, um, like a, a giant in kind of screenwriting. Uh, he was thinking back to his his like um, time in the war, time in like World War Two, and he was kind of musing on the fact that enjoying World War II, he felt like this kind of little nerdy Jewish guy who was his um, his actual name, who I can't remember his actual name, uh, kind of morphed into this character of like Chai, um, uh, Paddy Chayefsky. <laughs> say it. Um, like, and he, like the war kind of changed him as a human, changed him as a person, really. Um, and he wanted to kind of write an autobiographical kind of tale about how like a person changes uh, through like experiences. So over lunch one night, one one day with uh, in the Russian tea rooms with Bob Fosse and Herb Gardner, <laughs> he was telling them about this and they thought it was a fantastic idea and kind of taking the piss out of him as well, actually. Uh, so he said, why don't you just write Robert Louis Stevenson's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, write a new ad- adaptation of it. So he was like, yeah, okay, I'll go do that. And he went home and wrote a treatment for it. But the treatment that came out was called Altered States, 
because he'd started reading about these experiments of a professor in the kind of 70s called John C. Lilly. Um, John C. Lilly did tons of experiments with sensory deprivation and isolation tanks and hallucinogenic drugs and like ketamine and mescaline and LSD uh, to kind of see what they, it did to kind of people. He was also the guy who set up, um, is it SETI, the search for alien life as well? Okay. Um, and he did a ton of weird stuff with um, dolphins, which you might want to look up, but it gets very <laughs> odd. Um, <laughs> it gets okay. very odd indeed. Yeah, didn't it inspire um, Day of the Dolphin? I think it did inspire Day of the Dolphin, yeah. Mm. I think so. The the That weird film where they try and kill the president with the dolphin, is, it? is, that, <laughs> yeah. is that that film? Yeah, I believe um, so. It, it, he did a lot of sexual experiments in dolphins, I think, as well. I think that's what? Lily. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then he and he did a lot of stuff about uh, psychedelic drugs, basically. Uh, basically. Um, so he started reading his experiments and uh, Paddy decided he could put that into his script and kind of merge it all in. And the script that came out was called Allwood States. Um, he they were looking for kind of, you know, someone to take this script on, someone to make it. Um, and it had considered, I mean, it had considerable interest. Like this guy's a huge screenwriter. He's a three time Oscar winning screenwriter, but um, they told him not to publish as a screenwriting because everyone was reading the script and going, well, how do you film this basically? So he decided to turn it into a book and instead like wrote it as a book and released it as a book first. Uh, the book was a huge success. It was giant. And at that point, everyone was trying to fight to make this film. Uh, the problem is like, um, like, well, the problem was the fact that like really Paddy has so much control over everything, really. Uh, it's he's you know, he's such a powerful kind of force as a writer, really, which is not normal in films, really, for the writer to be so powerful. Uh, so the original director is Arthur Penn and he's the one who casts the film. He gets William Hurt into it. He gets Blair Brown into it. And he and he starts filming in 1978. However, in 1978, him and Paddy fall out, and um, and Penn resigns and gets uh, gets fired basically, and uh, so that was like I think like six months into it or something like that, uh, and um, and Paddy. I don't think they. Uh, I don't think they started filming. It was to begin. I don't think they actually started okay. filming because once that might be once right. the film's in motion, they t- generally don't stop to pull the plug on it. Yeah. Um, at that point, like they started looking around for another actor, and this is a quote from Ken Russell. Uh, he says the film was offered to 27 people before it got to him, <laughs> so it went through. This is the list that Ken Russell claims it goes Spielberg, Kubrick, Sidney Pollock, Robert Wise, Orson Welles, Martin Scorsese, Fred Zimmerman, Woody Allen, Ingmar Bergman, Brian De Palma, Berkelini, Borman, Tartrofsky, Erwin Kirshner. Francis Ford Coppola, Roman Polanski, Dick Lesnar, Michael Winner, Sidney Lumet, Dick Donner, George Lucas, Rogue, Scheisinger, Truffaut, uh, Zeffirelli, Brian Forbes, and then it got offered to Ken Russell, and he <laughs> took it on. Uh, Ken Russell himself is was in a very weird place in his life at that that point as well. Really, like like Ken Russell to me, like being British, is kind of one of the icons of like British cinema. Even though like his films were never that big, he's just like a really kind of strong voice. Like, what about you guys? Like with well, Ken Russell, what's your history with him? Well, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Tommy, and I remember <laughs> I was at a Comic Con with you, and I was like, "Oh, Tommy on Blu-ray," and the first thing that you went to me was, I "Don't like Tommy." <laughs> <laughs> Typical like Liam. Tommy. <laughs> 
don't like Tommy. I don't like. <laughs> yeah, but I like the Who. Well, I like I like the latter era of the Who as opposed to like their more mod stuff. But um, I don't know the Who well enough to comment. But um, no, I like that film. I think that film's really inventive and fun. But um, I really don't know much of his other work. I know he was on Big Brother, <laughs> and everyone was like. Who are you? And he's like, I'm Ken Russell. I'm a filmmaker. And he was like, this was like in the latter stages of his life because he died like, what, nearly 10 years ago? I think he died nearly 10 years ago. And he was on like yeah. Big Brother in like 2007 or something like that. No way. He died in like 2011. Yeah. I do not remember him in Big Brother. <laughs> I don't think he lasted the whole time, I don't think. But I remember like turning, I was like, what the fuck's Ken Russell doing? <laughs> Ken Russell joined Celebrity Big Brother in January 2007 at the start of the series, but left within a week after an altercation with Jade Goody. <laughs> As if that's on Ken Russell's biography. <laughs> I mean... I think what's crazy about Ken Russell is that he's a BBC filmmaker. Like he's mm. known as like he was hired and like promoted by the BBC, but like his earlier films, stuff like Woman in Love and The Devils and stuff like that, were incredibly like controversial films, like um full frontal nudity and kind mm. of like psychedelic kind of like imagery and and like you know, imagery is about death and uh, most of his films, he's he's obsessed with Christianity, like, and his Catholic upbringing and Christian upbringing, I should say, maybe not Catholic, but like, um, and he's obsessed with that kind of interplay between what sex and like and like and Catholic uh, uh, Christianity has and what effects it has on like people. So tons of his films, The Devil's about that. Like, Woman in Love has that kind of arc through it. He's a guy who made like art. He took like operas and art films and paintings are made were made films about them like i think one of the films after like altered states he made the film about the planets based on like uh holster planets and stuff okay. um he's um like he's he's interesting in a way that i think he's a british filmmaker who didn't he's not just making working class dramas do you know what i mean mm. he's like, um like i haven't this is the first Russell film I've seen, although I've been aware of him, like with the devils and women in love and that kind of thing. But um, I kind of knew of him more as a personality, like on TV, oh. like he was always a, con a talking head on things. He like kind of like Michael Winner, who kind of stopped making films and just full time decided to make TV shows and write columns and things like that. Uh, that's how I always saw Ken Russell because they kind of looked yeah. alike as well. These older <laughs> uh, chubby guys with massive white hair. I'd uh, say one's got more talent than the other. Though, yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> Having seen uh, only a couple, I've seen Death Wish and I've seen Altered States and I know which one I prefer. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he always seemed like more of a uh, more of a cheeky character than uh, Michael Winner did. Yeah, like definitely. He's, he's got he's got an element of uh, playfulness to his stuff, oh, even definitely. though it is controversial. Yeah, um, like, you know he thinks he's he's on an, in on the joke. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I think that's because what this film is kind of famous for really is the fact that Ken Russell and um, and uh, Paddy Chavesky, I don't know how to say that name <laughs> um, fell out on mm. on set massively, and uh, Paddy ended up taking his name off the script, um, so, so off the film. So the the actually it's actually um, screenplay is is credited as um his birth name which is a uh, sydney aaron i think um because they just couldn't work together on set at all and like he was he was claiming like ken russell was uh changing the dialogue and not and not kind of being true to the kind of script and things whereas 
Ken Russell was like, you hired me as a director, I'm in charge. Like, you can't be the second director on set. You can't be moaning about shots I'm setting up. You can't be, like, over my shoulder yelling at me about stuff. And he claims that he shot every single word that's in that script. He didn't change a thing. Um, but the problem was that, like, whereas, like, this huge verbose script, and it was my biggest problem with the film was the script, and the, the lines these characters have to say and the things people have to say out loud is so difficult. Um that Ken Russell just got them to kind of machine gun it, basically, like just work. You would just just throw it out there in between bites of a sandwich, or chuck it out there, kind of as quick as you can. Um, well, I had to put subtitles on a bit now and again because, like, <laughs> sure. so there's one bit where like they're looking at um, X-rays, and they yep. show it to the one guy, and I was like, "What the fuck's he saying?" Because he's obviously eating a sandwich at the same time, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's yeah. like got a German accent or something. But I was like, I can't hear what he's saying, so I had to put it on. And I found out he said gorilla. And I was like, gorilla? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, a fucking gorilla. You know. <laughs> and like, if I didn't put that on, I would have been oblivious to that. And I, then it would have thrown me even more later on. When... <laughs> I think, I think that's the only way you could do this, though. Because if you stop to think yeah. about any of the plot oh, yeah. <laughs> and the logic of any of it, it instantly falls apart. So you've got a machine gun through it. So you, you just get what you need to get through the story. Yeah, and You don't absolutely. have to think about it. But I think because, like, he kind of, he, he, he doesn't do, like, Ken Russell takes this really seriously. Like, it's not a campy film, really, mm. at all. It's it's not mocking or anything like that. It's it's not really that horror-y, really. I mean, it has body horror in it, but it's not kind of shot like a horror film in my mm. so much. Like, well, it has all those like, great, like, bladder shots where they've kind of got all the prosthetics within the arm and the leg and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like all that stuff, yeah. I do know within the kind of trippy hallucin- uh, hallucination sequences, though, really, for the most part, and it's not really. Uh, I was expecting something more Cronenbergian. Uh, Me too. With the yeah. more like the fly meets scanners, something like that. Yeah. Well, I was um, I was thinking more like um, uh, what the fuck's the film called? Uh, Stuart Gordon. Um, from beyond. From beyond. Yeah, I was thinking it'd be more like that. Like if if yeah, my... I saw an alternate poster that looked very from beyond. Like, is that the one with the three eyes and stuff on the? Uh, yeah, the, the the resonator thing. machine and um, yeah, like uh, like if my biggest criticism of this film was for me, it didn't go weird enough. I think for me, I mean, he did turn into a primordial. Kind of <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, but I know I know that, but it's still like you were saying, it's grounded, kind of, and I just I wish it like it's at the just... end, it kind of I was expecting it to go weirder. I, that, that's my biggest complaint. My biggest, my biggest problem in the film, and kind of why I didn't connect to it really, was like the two leads, not their performance, the the characters. So it's you know it's William Hurt and Blair Brown, and it's I mean the script's kind of about like I mean it's the problem is it's about everything. This the is one of those scripts mm. that's like the, the writer put every thought he had into it, um, but it's kind of about how like like humanity's forced to deal with God can be conquered by love is mm. kind of the end kind of <laughs> message um but like i don't believe these these two have any love like i don't believe well, no, in their relationship only, it's only because you're told it because like when they fall in love they she literally so she much, says yeah. we're gonna get married now and he goes well if that's what you want and then it cuts to straight away it's like a hard cut and then we're getting a divorce and it's like well, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> i couldn't fuck? believe that yeah like literally they'd met Two seconds, they have sex, and then, like, honestly, never marry a guy that starts yelling about Christ during sex, like, and God. 
after... Sorry, one of the most horrifying lines in it is when she describes having sex with him. And <laughs> like what does she say? It's like being impaled. Yeah. <laughs> I've got it written down. <laughs> it's, I feel like I'm being harpooned by some raging monk in the act of receiving God. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, well, I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, will you marry me with the line after that? Like, yeah. It's, it's insane. <laughs> harpooned. And then the next time you see them, they're getting the divorce. <laughs> it's like they've had a kid. It's like four years later, and then they're yeah, getting not even a not even a dissolve. Just no. like you say, a hard cut. I like <laughs> how um, Bob Balaban's wife seems to be always pregnant. <laughs> like maybe she was just pregnant in real life. I don't know. Let's <laughs> go around it, but like she, Bob Balaban's wife is one of the characters in this who felt real again. Oh yeah, she's like, yeah. Like, Those two are the only them. ones. Like the other guy, the other. The other doctor guy, he just seemed very like he was back and forth so much. I love. I really liked him. I, I did like him, him but he was like constantly flip flopping. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, he made so much of the film for me. It's Charles <laughs> Hayde who he's um who made me laugh when I went to Wikipedia because his fo- profile picture is a picture of him striking at the 2007 Writers Guild strike. <laughs> he's got a sign and everything, but um he was on Hill Street Blues is what he's most famous for. Um. And I loved him in this film. I loved how angry he was. I loved how <laughs> just, upset he was. At what just right like. out of the gate, everything yeah. was just took him to 11 in terms of anger. <laughs> just yelling at them all the time. Like, <laughs> I'm the head of this department and I'm not taking it anymore. You're freaking mumbo jumbo bullshit. <laughs> yeah. He was like the kind of angry police chief. In yeah, like was, I was just going to say, he was like the, um, the sheriff in Live and Let Die. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay, you're taking drugs, hallucinating, whatever, just shut up. <laughs> like, just like, stop talking crap. I just loved him. <laughs> I loved so much of this film, apart from William Hurt's character. And I just yeah. couldn't buy into their relationship. Like, and I, I understand, I guess, like, and then when she comes back into the film after being in Africa for, I don't know how long, the time recording in this film is confusing to me. I don't know how long it's meant to take place for, really. She's got, like, her jungle trekking gear on, though. That's what I was going to say. She's back in the apartment wearing a, like, savannah gear with her long socks, and it's like when people come back from the Middle East and wear, like, thobes everywhere for for a while. It's like you can't adjust back properly. So she's she's been studying gorillas, hasn't she, or something? Or I can't. Is that right? She's an anthropologist, but they don't really get into what she does. Um... The, there is the line early in the film where it says anthropology attracts good-looking women. Apparently, <laughs> um, yeah, I, she has some sort of like she studies baboons maybe and tries to understand if baboons have like um, social structures like humans do. I think she's doing. Um, I think. Yeah, when she comes know. back, she says she's she'd seen evidence of uh, cannibalistic behaviour in uh, in in the baboons. That's right. That's right. It's a very, very odd film. I quite liked, um, you know, like his uh, chambers in the beginning, the kind of phallic looking one. Yeah, the boiler. They describe it as a boiler, don't they? Yeah, that felt very, that felt almost like Terry Gilliam-esque kind of. That's true. Do you know what I mean? Like almost like that could have been like in like a, I don't know, one of his films. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that bit when you because it cuts to him in the in the kind of boiler and you just you you're in the tank with him 
like the sound is and you just hear his breathing and the water bubbling and then as the camera pulls out the sound of him and the water and the boiler kind of starts getting quieter and the sounds of the world around mm. him start getting louder as you come back and then go into the other room with like Bob Balaban and you can no longer hear like the isolation tank and you just hear like Bob Balaban. I think eating a sandwich, Bob Balaban was mainly eating a sandwich, <laughs> isn't it? That's um, the, I think that's the more interesting of the isolation chambers he goes into because like, the other one's just that big black, the dark one, isn't it? That big black box. Like this yeah. one, at least you could see him in there and he's got like the kind of like the you know, the dome over his head and stuff like that. It's a bit more yeah. visually interesting. I was quite surprised when I first saw it because it wasn't what I, if someone says isolation tank to me, it wasn't what I thought an isolation tank was. So when they did introduce the one later, I was like, okay, yeah, that's this, what is, you think, yeah. this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And it's, they have this kind of opens to this world of like, like liberal academics, you know, like at, at the tail end, I'm guessing of the psychedelic movement, but I'm not too sure when it's set. This film could be set in like the early seventies. I don't um, know. Like... The opening scene was set in 67, I think. Oh, okay. It's okay. obviously was... definitely a time jump because... Because <clears throat> Drew Barrymore comes into it. I know, I was looking, I was watching the film and I was like, <laughs> just thinking, is that Drew Barrymore? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, n- I noticed years, um, one, years, of the, I think. Yeah, one of the technicians um, is John Larroquette. Who, really? Uh, yeah, who was the... Uh, the um, uh, the superior in stripes to uh, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, also yeah. did the voiceover for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. Hey, did he? Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. He pops he's up. The, in, in he places, was the guy X-ray him. technician. It says so. He was he yeah. like yelling about gorillas. Then. No, he was the first one, um, and then uh, after uh, what's his name, uh, Mason. Uh, he throws a massive wobbler about. I'm the president of this <laughs> university, or whatever. Then he goes and takes it to a to a proper technician. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. I'm to show these to someone who can read them, or something like that. So you know, when he's going in the the chamber at first, is he actually taking any kind of no? It's like nothing. He's just literally just being deprived. Like mm. yeah, okay. Deprived. Yeah, it's the the, the mushrooms are the thing. <laughs> The mushrooms are the keys of the whole thing. What yeah. they call it something in this um, little flower or something? Did they say the first flower or something? The like first that? flower, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff is. I think that stuff's aged quite badly um, because obviously they're kind of referencing like um, ayahuasca. Do you remember when really? he's in the cave in Mexico? Yeah, I, I loved it. I just think they're kind of. I yeah. did love the cave thing. I really did the love colours it. The colours are amazing. It's kind of yeah. like proper I love like, the shamans like, with the clay on them and the paintings on the wall. The, and... uh, the visuals of like hell or whatever it is are amazing. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. awesome. like those kind of overlays. I love that kind of stuff. Apparently it's almost a bit the, um... music video-y as well, isn't it? Kind of. <laughs> Absolutely. Apparently the special effects team kind of left or got fired or quit. It's not... It couldn't yeah, I think there was a change great. of personnel halfway through or something. So Ken Russell kind of decided to shoot them live, the hallucinogenic sequences, rather than rely on special effects, basically. And I think that's to the benefit of the film. I loved how, like, his his like idea of what hallucinogenics look like, which he does know because he says on this set he he took shrooms and he had an incredibly bad um, trip (laughs) whilst shooting this. Did he uh, eat a big salamander or whatever the fuck it was? <laughs> was that big thing? Like a kimono dragon, kimono or dragon yeah. Like, yeah. Um 
they're kind of they're all shot in camera and it's i think they're all so bright and also vivid and and they look like paintings to me almost like oily mm. or kind of like watercolor paintings or something like they I also just... look like tron at the end i thought <laughs> oh yeah with the kind of flat when they're flashing at the end <laughs> yeah. And stuff. yeah yeah totally I yeah, did like that really though, cool. where he's kind of like slamming. It reminded me of another film actually, where they're kind of like slamming some. They keep slamming against the wall. Yeah. Like cross cutting. I can't remember what film it is. Anyway, <laughs> I'm skipping ahead. Yeah, Ken Russell says that basically he says Paddy's hallucinations were impossible to film. He'd write a direction that says something like interstellar gas shot through five million miles of universe like a puff of cigarette <laughs> smoke, and. Um, but when I read the script, I realized the only way that we could properly kind of create any kind of dramatic, dramatic kind of experience that was actually common to people uh, would be the way to, that people could react to it. And th- like the common experience to men isn't gas going through the universe, <laughs> like, which, you know, I, I think is. A really I know, I've got point. a lot of experience with gas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, as I was saying, like it's ayahuasca now is. I just think of like psychedelics being so like, what's the word? Like not normal, but gentrified. Like it's mm. kind of like you can go to any kind of yoga studio and people are doing like ayahuasca or something. <laughs> like it's, it's just so like, like, like just well, it's so, almost like drugs are bad. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just this idea in like the like, like there's definitely present in like the seventies that psychedelics were like the key to unlocking like some hidden kind of truth and hidden self or something. Uh, or kind of, there were like a hidden superpower. You get a lot of CIA experiments with like LSD and people thinking like you can like deprogram someone or rewrite someone's brain. And none of that's really proven to be like as superpowered as all these experiments were kind of claiming it they were. Um, they might just help depression is the big thing with LSD <laughs> at the moment and stuff like. But um, I think so from watching it, it's not the film's fault, but for me watching it now, going back, I find it all a little bit um, childish, I guess, or something. Just a little no, bit kind I, of... Yeah, no, I see that. I, I got that, definitely. Um, yeah, just, yeah, or something like that. It's hard, hard to feel, but I was watching it going, I don't quite sink into kind of what's happening because I, I feel like it's a really... I feel like it's too easy for the film to say that they're just taking some drugs and now they like, and now the world's unlocked. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, it's the whole logic of it falls apart the second you start analysing it in any great detail. You've just got to let the whole thing wash over you. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the drugs, just have it as an experience. Exactly. Just, just if you watch this in a sensory it. deprivation yeah. tank, it'll be the ultimate experience. That'd be good. That would be good. <laughs> I mean, I got massive. Um... Uh, American Werewolf in London vibes. I mean, not. I mean, yeah. that's a much better yeah. film, I think. But you know, like especially with like kind of the body horror aspects, and then obviously he pretty much does become like a. a he becomes a ne- like a Neanderthal man, doesn't he? That's there was of, a very um, American Werewolf esque shot. Well, he's in a fucking zoo. A th- <laughs> well, I mean, um, I when he's coming out of the that. basement, he's chasing the uh, like engineer guy or the security guard. Yeah, uh, and the he's at the top of the stairs, and you can see uh, the Neanderthal man like running along the corridor at the bottom, and then coming up the stairs. And I thought that was a really creepy shot. Yeah, if I was that it's caretaker, the, the I'd be like, I'm yeah. not going back down there again. <laughs> I loved those two. I love the kind of blue collar workers in this. Like, yeah. got my stick. <laughs> Yeah, got my stick. <laughs> it's a big monkey, so can I get some backup? <laughs> like, 
And just him going to the security guard, there's someone's let a monkey into the basement. <laughs> I, when I, I was thinking, is that William Hurt in costume? And then he like does this flip up into the scene. Yeah. I was like, no, that's definitely yeah. not William <laughs> It was uh, some ballet dancer, actually. Yeah, I was going to say it's a dancer yeah. of some kind. Yeah. I liked that whole thing. I mean, that had a, yeah, that too. could have come off really goofy, but I think it, it no, works yeah. in the context of the film. I absolutely agree. Um, it was just a little kind of... I loved... I absolutely loved the kind of build-up to that. So mm. um, when he wakes up in the middle of the night, sleeping with, I think, is a grad student. Yeah. That, yeah. That well, I, he, I think he alludes to it earlier on that he's going to have his mean up with one or something like that. Right. Because the way she kept on calling him doctor or whatever, I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is not good. <laughs> um, but yeah, when he wakes up with that and, he, and his whole arm's pulsing and his chest is kind of expanding and like his... um. You know, his brow ridge gets prom- like really prominent and that mm. causes him to have like a nosebleed. And then like when he's in the shower and his foot changes and stuff like that into like a gorilla's foot. I just thought that was really cool body horror and really cool, like arresting kind of like like visuals and stuff. Mm. I really, really like that bit, um, though I couldn't tell if he was getting hairy or not, because I didn't know if that was just William Hurt was that hairy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, and like when he walks out to the he walks out of the bathroom and the kind of the entire room just turns into like hell, mm. like and and stuff. I just thought that was so good. And There's that a lead- lot of really cool visuals. Yeah, really. And um, that leading up to the first experiment when he, he goes in on his own late at night, um, and comes out as like kind of the Neanderthal man. That was just really cool. It just kind of, uh, I just. Because it was so blatant that it had happened to him, there was no question. I'd seen it, you know, like <laughs> um, that. It f- it felt like a little bit deflated for the rest of the film for me, a little bit, like it hit its peak. Mm. And I, because I knew it was, I guess I knew it was real by that point. The film had told me this actually happened, and there was a little bit of question if it had or not, really, between mm. the characters. And I was just kind of like, I could have done with like one time it happening and me not knowing if it would happened or not if that makes any sense as a criticism i'm not sure i might be rambling like but um it's um yeah i, I can see that it, it didn't bother me that much but i i can see it's uh um it's like with american wolf that's kind of like the peak um the dramatic peak of, of the transformation yeah, and then it's going kind of down. I thought there. it should have kept each time. It should have kept getting further and further back, so he kept devolving even more. So he became the fucking fish that came onto land that kind of <laughs> grew the. Well, that's what he was meant to be in that final. Yeah, but he, it didn't. The whole thing of... turns. No, it didn't register at yeah. all. But uh, <laughs> I until he explained it ten minutes man. later, yeah, just, just flapping about yeah. in, the, in the whirlpool. You wanted another 20 minutes of different... (laughs) That set did look cool, though. (laughs) It should have been like that Simpsons couch gag where it goes through the entire stages of evolution. (laughs) That whirlpool at Wicked, though, I thought, Mm. at the end. All that stuff was amazing. Like, um, the visuals of him being whatever he is. (laughs) I know what it reminded me of when he's bashing himself against the wall. Is that just what you've been thinking of? Yeah, it's the AHA video. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's going from animated to uh, to the real to the real aha man. <laughs> anyway, that, I feel a lot better now. I've got that out of my, my brain. But it's weird because he goes in. He does that one night, and he he attacks the kind of security guard in this in the in the in the um basement. He escapes from the basement, 
then he um sees some wild dogs and kind of makes friends with the wild dogs for a little bit and then the wild dogs attack him for reasons that i wasn't totally sure what was why <laughs> um and then he jumps into the zoo and you get him kind of playing with like the rhinoceros first and then yeah that it, they made no indication that he was jumping into a zoo that he no. was just climbing over yeah. a wall and then <laughs> suddenly he turns and a fucking a... rhino there well obviously there there's the... there's imagery that that would be something that he'd be used to seeing mm. that kind of thing i don't know like what do you call it? like big megafauna i don't know what's, what's the word i don't know big mammoth big, yeah i guess i guess I yeah but like, and then he's kind of. There's a bit when he's punching the elephants, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then he um he visits the pet. He visits the gift shop because you have to visit the gift shop when he goes to the zoo. <laughs> and then he jumps into the kind of sheep sheep enclosure. Um, because that and yeah, he kind of then uh, he attacks that one sheep and then eats it. They weren't he? And sheep, kind of... were they? They were like, were they like? Yeah, I thought they were like deer or something. Yeah, they were yeah. like. Um, I only say that because on the radio later they say a sheep was killed. Yeah, that was a very confusing element because I thought it was very clearly a deer and they keep referring to it as a sheep later on. (laughs) I wrote down goat, I have to say. I thought they were goats. Anyway, they Um, were horned. Yeah, they were things. They were prey. I think that's all that's important. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he devours it and then you see him just lying naked next to that kind of devoured kind of corpse. And what I thought was really weird after this, you get these, you get these bits with her, Emily and him then, and um, he's just going mad. He's just screaming about stuff constantly. <laughs> like it's really, like there's a line when he goes, "What the hell am I meant to do when they're fractioning rat brains or something?" I'm like, <laughs> "What is this line? Like, what is this line that you've been asked to say? What does this even mean to me?" Like, um, it's very weird how it, it I don't. I couldn't work out if I was meant to be on like William Hurt's side or not. If I was mm. meant to be kind of like scared of his unreasonable kind of anger towards this experiment that he wants to kind of like show that works or kind of be on his side to be like, yes, you're kind of like, you're doing it. You're a scientist and you've actually got results, um, but you've gone too far kind of thing. Is, I guess yeah, the I mean, point you, you don't should... really. Sorry, Sorry no, you carry on. I was going to say, there's not really an arc to it because he starts the film off as an arrogant prick who always gets his own <laughs> way. And he just continues that way through the rest of the film. So it's not as if the experiment has driven him to this height of madness because he was no, already yeah. an asshole to begin with. Yeah, he was very unlikable at the beginning, which I thought was so <laughs> odd. Like, and it's, I've never heard two humans talk to each other like they they talk to each other in this. It was, it was just like these huge blocks of text of, of like very kind of verbose wording. Like it was almost like someone's like, I'm writing a scientist. Mm. Um, and that it just made me real, gave me real separation between kind of liking the characters it really kind of cut me off from them actually. Like, um, well, at least the main two, cause it was really, really their, their time kind of dialogue that was like the issue for me. <clears throat> Yeah, it wasn't so bad. I mean, like you said, Bob Balaban, he really uh, carried it for the uh, academic side. This he kind when... of like disappears though from like like from the middle. He pops back up at the end, doesn't he? When he kind of convinces mm. them again, like I don't know how he managed to convince them again. Like let's do it again. Yeah, that was weird. Because <laughs> like, so he goes in. The t- this is before he go. Is it before he goes fully Neanderthal? He like he has like a. They pull him out of the tank. He's got blood all around his mouth, and mm. then they kind of yeah. they do tests on him. 
and they do like uh, x-rays and they find That's out really the x-ray looks yeah. a bit like a gorilla and um yeah he had a sack in and he can't speak as well he, gorillas have like, yeah he can't that's speak why he couldn't speak yeah. yeah i liked that when he was covered in kind of like the salts and the blood and stuff mm. like that and he was kind of like gasping for air but gasp trying to like write and stuff like that um mm. i thought that was a really good scene it really did like but yeah and then he goes back in again late at night on his own and that's when he comes out as monkey um <laughs> I'm picturing then, the show monkey now where he's born from the yeah, monkey <laughs> <laughs> It's like that that meme I was thinking that return to monkey or whatever. Um then I don't yeah, I don't know why. He she tries to talk him into not doing another experiment, but he, he talks her into it. Well no, she she at one point says she believes it, doesn't she? She like kind of gets on board in that it's well, she screams happening. at one point because I believe him. I want this thing stopped, which was, I yeah. just thought was such a wordy thing at the, that moment <laughs> of time to scream. Um, <laughs> but there's a bit because there's a bit when she's in a house alone, and he she calls him up to come round, and like she says that like you know I'm scared about what's going on. I I need you to be with me to comfort me tonight, and it was a point when I was just like. I've never seen him being a comforting person <laughs> or, or kind of element in at, at all. Like this is so. This is this is the weirdest part of the film. Well, she doesn't seem to be like aware of his assholeness. Like he's the one who was asked she, for the divorce. Uh, she was fully on board with the relationship. Was she he's the pretty, one who wanted out of it. She pretty much says she's like obsessed with him, doesn't she? Mm. She's like so into him though that like. But it's all it's it's just all this thing of being. It's it's constantly just said. Constantly just yeah, like show don't saying tell. it, yeah, rather than me seeing anything. Like, and they they do all that stuff at the beginning of the film for like good fifteen minutes, I think. Of like, um, this is seven years ago in the mid sixties. Uh, I guess what I needed from those bits at the beginning was actually to see them as like a couple or something, or just mm-hmm. see them. I didn't need to see them before they had kids. I think just. You could have just shown. I shouldn't try and rewrite. I shouldn't try and do that. But I just needed something to kind of feel them, feel them as being a couple. I think mm. what kind of took me out of this a little bit. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I concur. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, but apart from that, I I just loved that. I did. I love body horror films. I, I really do. I love like Cronenberg films. I love like. The Fly is a wonderful film, and you can tell. I think, like the Fly, to, this felt like the Fly to me a lot. Like mm. it felt like a very similar kind of film and very similar kind of like like um, setup and things. Yeah. yeah, like a definitely like another arrogant man that's kind of you know that kind of kind of I don't know just scientist that's a bit of a twat really. But um, <laughs> I think I'd rather watch The Fly though, if I'm honest. But you know. I totally. I just, I love to like, as you say, the way that Ken Russell just uses like the imagery of like the the weird like swirling labs and the yeah. kind of like, especially the cave stuff with the with the tribe and the lighting from the fire and the the um the kind of um the cutting him and putting blood into it and things and and all that kind of weird mysticism was just really cool and. I loved like the fight, like physical fireworks in the cave to kind of like yeah. s- simulate that kind of hallucinogenics and things was um was really arresting to me. There was a lot I liked about the film. There's just there was a there was something that just took me out of it, I guess. 
Yeah. Well, I think, like, at least with the flight, you've kind of, I think, um, uh, what's his name? I'm, I'm terrible with names. Goldblum? Goldblum's, like, performance, even though he's an arsehole in it, he's, like, a likable kind of, you kind of, he, you find him interesting, whereas I don't think you'd necessarily find William Hurt at all interesting in this film, mm. which is a massive flaw in the film. Because I, I didn't hate the film, far from it, I, I kind of liked it, but I just think, and I think, I do think William Hurt, can be a good performer, but like, I just think it's probably just the way it was written. Just it just you couldn't get a likable character out of it, really. I think I think for his first ever film performance, it's a great performance. Actually, it's a difficult it's a difficult like. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think yeah. it's his fault really that we don't like the character. I think it's just as you say, it's one of those films. I think the script was so heavy. I feel the script pulling on the film you really. Can, when he can try and put a bit of humanity in it, I think he does try and put that in. Yeah. So like, there's a little bit where uh, Bob Balaban can't reach the the mustard or whatever, and it's only a little moment where he just obviously he's a bit taller, so he can grab it and give it to him. It's just like a little, it's like a two second thing, but you know, thing like that. that that's probably the... not in the script. That's just like a little bit that he kind of did just to kind of make him seem a little bit more relatable. I don't know. I think you're right. I think the party scene at the beginning, when like they're just passing spliffs and 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 he's got um, ice in the bathtub and he's going around dropping ice in people's glass glasses yeah. and stuff. Um, that was I really liked that. That felt really really good to me. Really human, like and really natural. And there's and then there's a lot of William Hurt walks in and it, literally the door opens. She's and he's like ah. in white light behind him. <laughs> Yeah, William Hurt's character can't enter a room without being bathed in like white light and just being like a shadow working but as in soon as she, so often. As soon as she sees him, she's like, oh, oh I like the cut of his jib. <laughs> and it is just it just feels like a it does feel like a film weighed down by like its messages or its script. Whereas mm. I, I mean I, I read Ken Russell talking about the film and he says that he doesn't like to shoot you know, the the three standard things, you know, close-up coverage and whatever long. He says that he, sh- he always shoots stuff with, like, um, a flow a flow to it. He yeah, to keep it like, moving. Yeah. And keep, keep the camera moving around. But as this was, he was in a weird place in his career. Like, he said, like, at this point in his career, he said Hollywood wouldn't give him a B-movie because he just, all his films kept on flopping. Um, he was only his second time, I think, working in Hollywood, I think. Um, and he was a bit worried about you know, taking this script from a three-time Academy Award winner who was being incredibly difficult on set and also, like, trying to look to actually make, you know, films in the future to actually be given scripts again. He he tried to shoot it in a much more conventional way than he was used to shooting it. Um, and he said that because of that, there was, there was not the kind of, you know, flowing, flowing kind of sets that he was used to kind of shooting it. And, and he... He says that like everyone, like only the writer, he said Paddy kept on trying to like mold him to be to shoot stuff the way Paddy wanted stuff shot. Like the the color of the sensor the sensory tank wasn't right and stuff like that. And mm. he was like, I'm not moldable, I'm Ken Russell. Like I shoot things how I shoot them, let me kind of shoot shit. Um so I think that, that kind of, I think you get a sense of that kind of clash through the film of 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 just um, not too many cooks but maybe ken russell not being quite as like 
free to shoot things the way he wants to shoot them really well there's two there's two things i always think about when people do long takes one that they're really confident that they know they can get the pacing and the tone just right by right yeah their own skill by you know judging it all but also i always i also think the less takes they do the less coverage they do, the the less chance of studios interfering with cutting the film up and stuff like that. Because if you've only got like yeah. like one long take, you can't cut it up, so it's got to remain in the movie. So I always think that's like a bit of a game with that as well sometimes. But he did say positively, he said, I, I thought I was going to hate working in Hollywood and actually I really liked it, is his comment about making this. He said like it was the only film I'd ever done when the studio weren't kind of like Count kind of points. on me. Yeah, and like kind of at me and stuff, which was like that in Britain. I think it was very different because we, you know, there's a lot less money. Uh, and it's and it's a good, interesting film. Like, yes, yeah, I'm definitely going to try and uh, seek out some more Ken Russell stuff. Um, try and track down the uncut version of the Devils and things like that. I th- I'd like to see what you think of Tommy because I really liked it. But Tommy, yeah, he's a pinball think... wizard. I've heard that. <laughs> I think Lair of the White Worm is the only other one I watched, and I like Lair of the White Worm more. Yeah, that's been on my uh, on my wish list for a while. There's a Vestron Blu-ray that's uh, been on my wish list. Yeah, definitely. It's and I need to watch The Devils. The only thing I know about it is that it was so controversial because uh, is it Oliver Reed is mm. the leader of that? It was fully naked in it. It's the first time a man is fully naked on screen or something. Like, <laughs> he, like he definitely embraces like. Like like nudity, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He doesn't care about it or shy away from it. No, not at all. There's plenty yeah. of bums in this film. Bums, <laughs> willies, boobs—they're all there. They're all there. I love the shot. Actually, talking of boobs, I love the <laughs> shot where um, the iguana, whatever it is, the Komodo dragon, kind of transforms into a uh, uh, Blair, and she's like being like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And she's kind of being. The oh, kind they of become lizard. the ice sculpture. They're not the ice, the sand sculpture. The sand sc- kind of, yeah, it's they, so they good. Both, yeah, they both become sand sculpture, and then slowly, like the Just wind erodes part them. of the earth. And, yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's so good. Like I absolutely love that stuff. Uh, thanks for so reminding me about that bit because that bit was really good. I did like that bit. Yeah, that was like, that, and that's all that stuff in that kind of cave things, and that those that, those are the stuff you can tell that Cam Russell's bringing. Oh, he to definitely it, you know? brought like, that to it. Yeah. yeah, like it made so me laugh at how much it was like 2001 or this or the uh, yeah. Star Trek movie at the end, where it's just like <laughs> I was half expecting to see Spock flying through the uh, the wormhole, or whatever it is, <laughs> with v- Vega, or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah, it's definitely definitely post. It's a po- It is post um, motion picture as well, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. motion pictures what mm. 79 or whatever it is, like. Uh, um, and it's definitely post two thousand one film, really is like, and but it's it, as watching this kind of psychedelic kind of body horror films. I think it's a really like great step to watch if you kind of you know cutting between the seventies and then watching kind of Cronenberg in the eighties. Uh, it's it's definitely a film to kind of put in there. I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd like like I said, I just wish it went a bit bit further though. I don't know. Like, no, I agree. You know. Like, the, for example, the transformation, like, you only see, like, you just see the bubbling under the skin and stuff, whereas, like, you know, you look at American Werewolf that came out a year later. That transformation sequence is, like, I mean, it's a much more showy movie, though, that, isn't it, though? 
Mm. But like uh, that transformation sequence, like you know, still taught to talked about this to this day, like as one of the greatest like transformation sequences. I prefer the howling. Do you? I think so. Hmm. Interested. I haven't watched <laughs> the howling in so long, actually. That's been years since I watched that. I know why you prefer the howling, though. But why? Well, it's directed by your boy, isn't it? <laughs> I, I like John Landis, although that's a controversial position. To yeah, have when, he's murdering, say, yeah. when he's not yeah. murdering people. <laughs> I tell you what, watch the um, the, the uh, Shutter. Is it is it Shudder, Shudder. or Shutter? Shudder. The Shudder show called um, Cursed Films because there's mm. one episode that's about the um, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, and like Jay Cheerley directed it. He watched the raw footage, oh. and. And he was like, he said, the, the the way that the helicopter crashed, there was no need for those. He could have done like a a forced perspective. Right. And there was no need for them to be that close to where they were. It's like ridiculous. Um. Yeah, I remember like back in the LimeWire or uh, uh, like Kazar days, there was some Twilight Zone footage on there and uh, somebody downloaded it on the college computers. No way. Yeah, um, I don't know if I could watch that, it to be honest. It's uh, it was only one angle. It wasn't that graphic, but yeah, yeah, yeah but it wasn't good. The fact that you know what happened afterwards, yeah, do you know, <laughs> yeah, you can piece it together from what you what you saw. It's uh, not good. No, but yeah, you know, Three Amigos is good. <laughs> I actually hallucinated watching the Three Amigos. I was in I was in <laughs> hospital on um, morphine. And it was on the TV, but it wasn't like it was on the TV. It was almost like it was being projected and it was playing out in front of me. It was it, like all around me. It was so bizarre. I've never had like, an experience <laughs> like that. It's like, well, this is nuts. Is he really related to altered states then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> he regressed into Martin Short. <laughs> Toss me. <laughs> no, is it launch me? I've forgotten what he says now. Is it launch me? I think it's launch me, yeah. It's launch me, the rest of the moment, yeah. Like, launch me. <laughs> I need to watch it. I need to watch Three Amigos again. Like, the bush scene alone is amazing. <laughs> Which one's the bush scene? Uh, the singing bush. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. That reminds me of watching the Godzilla films. It has my favourite ever fake bush that I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> When they're, they're invading like a spy compound and they, they've just got a huge bush on like planks that they're pretending to hide behind. It's amazing. <laughs> what, what was it we were talking about last week? Because it's like Galaxy Quest and there was another film we were talking where was, Oh, My Name is my Bruce. My Name is Bruce. Like, you know, yeah. Three Amigos goes in there, doesn't it? Because it's all about mm. kind of like thinking they're these actual, you know. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. The kind of films when the people are hired to... Because they think they're those actual people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That is Three Amigos also has uh, one of the best uses of a stunt dummy I've ever seen in a motion picture. Which bit's Which that? One? When uh, uh, Martin Short is climbing along um, some uh, uh, some hanging uh, decorations, and when they're into uh, breaking into the compound, and they all uh, they all start firing into the air, and he panics and falls, and the stunt dummy just lands flat on the uh, table in front of him. Just the sheer violence of the dummy hitting the ground is stupendous. There's a bit in, I think it's Godzilla, 
I think it's a Godzilla film. It must be. When someone commits suicide, he, he kind of walks up and just jumps out of a window, and it's the best like dummy that ever just gets thrown out of a window. I've seen a film. <laughs> well, I was, like I was watching A Razor Head today. There's a bit where um, the main guy, what's he? I forgot what the the main character's called. Uh, hang on, A Razor Head. What's his name? Is it Herbert? Henry Spencer. So yeah, Henry wow. Spencer. Like he's um, it's. Th- the scene where it's got the kind of the woman behind the radiator and like he at some point he he meets her and kind of like kind of confronts her but his head falls off and then he grows the head of the baby but the head that falls off then falls out of the window of the apartment and lands on the floor but it's like a paper mache head (laughs) (laughs) it's like but you know it worked fine in that film because it's like yeah sure whatever and then then they take this head to the kind of back in the the apartment where he lives and like down below there's a guy with this like weird pencil factory and he just kind of starts rubbing out the paper with his the end of the pencil and he's like yeah it's good and i was like what the fuck's going on i have no idea what's going on but it was really weird anyway anyway alter states any other final thoughts or things you want to say I, I loved it. Uh, I will watch it again at some point. Oh, did you actually mm. love it then? Uh, yeah, and I, I I thought I would like don't think about it, just watch it. Yeah. Don't try and think about uh, try and understand the plot or work out the logistics of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I don't think I'd watch it again, to be honest. But I I was happy enough to watch it and I enjoyed it enough. But it's not one I'd probably whack on again it's a it's a solid three maybe three and a half out of five for me i think i I agree with james like despite what i've been saying like it's um what i didn't like about it was like the human kind of elements of it the kind of william hurt and blair and blair elements of it but but now i've seen it like watching it as just like these series of kind of like slow paced kind of hallucinogenics and and little transformations and scenes and stuff like that that's really cool and that's really fun to watch um and that's its benefit you know the the ken russell elements of this i think it's its benefit and it's made me want to kind of explore more ken russell stuff and 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 see what he does with visuals because i think the stuff that he's he obviously brought to this script i loved all of that stuff it was the the stuff from the script that i think i didn't love basically like Mm. um and the, a lot of the dialogue I just found that alienating because they just like the way they the stuff they were having to say I just found really hard to kind of digest. But knowing that, like I can say that the the Ken Russell elements of this I thought were really cool and really kind of engaging. So, like, yeah, I'm glad I saw it. Really, yeah, it's like like I said earlier, like um, I prefer films like From Beyond, which are they're a bit more campy though and a bit more like you know you've kind of got. Um, Who's your main guy in that? Oh, I'm Jeffrey choked. Combs. Jeffrey Combs, like his performance in that oh, yeah. is so is so big. <laughs> like just like it's, I don't know if it's as big as his performance it bit in his head off like from, a gingerbread man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like it just goes for it much harder. The kind of the whole otherworldliness of it, and I mean that is probably a bit because it's a bit more H.P. Lovecraft, so it's about alternative dimensions and stuff like that. It probably you know it's not it's not aiming to do a diff- the same kind of thing, but uh, that's where I kind of lean towards and when it's this kind of thing but um but i'm glad i watched it 
but yeah, I mean, like all the films you keep referencing are all after this as well, though. Like, mm. yeah, but don't like, forget the HP Lovecraft story came before that. Yeah, I know, but I just mean like yeah, it's ninety percent of the stuff in the film isn't in the story. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> do you mean do you mean Ken Foro wearing his wet <laughs> red speedos big... aren't in the yeah. uh, original book? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, can you imagine like an early like twentieth century illustration of Ken Foray and his Well, speedos? to be fair, I don't think H.P. Lovecraft would have a character <laughs> like him in any of his books. To be fair, no, uh, he did, but he wasn't too kind to him. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so I think it, that's what I find kind of cool is a lot of the stuff I kept on thinking thinking about when watching this is actually all after it. Apart from yeah, like, no, you, know, you are right. To one of stuff like. To be fair, um, it is like a it is a four like not a forerunner, but still, yeah, I guess, but it's, it predates those, so you know, yeah, it's a step. Who knows that this kind of yeah, yeah. And when you're talking about eighties kind of horror, I and mean, those are the kind of things we think about the fly and like from beyond and things like that. Um, it's definitely a trend that we can see coming out of like seventies films, mm. and this is one of the steps of that, I think. Like, and then werewolf and things. So I think it's mm. really kind of cool. It has maybe its, I shouldn't be so harsh on it. <laughs> so yeah what did you say i think my rating's probably going to be hovering around like three and a half four i think probably eight around there like just because i struggled with the kind of some of the aspects of the film three and a half for me i think i'm gonna go four oh. yeah fuck you guys <laughs> <laughs> so yeah now that uh altered states is done and dusted what are we talking about next week <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking it up. Um, oh, next week, uh, my dinner with Andre, which I only uh, know from Community. <laughs> we've got Brandon on that, haven't we? Yeah, I've got Brandon on that. In my head, every time I think of my dinner with Andre, I always think of Billy Crystal and the giant movie, and I don't know why those always pop <laughs> up in my head when I think of my dinner. I think it's because I think of Andre the Giant, and then I think my giant. I was going to say, Andre the Giant and my giant. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where it kind of all... my. Giant Andre. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of the uh, the Simpsons uh, where Martin Prince is playing the arcade game of uh, My Dinner with Andre. And he's got the options of on the joystick of uh, Witty Bon Mott um, or Tell Me More. And he's like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us, James. It's been a pleasure as always. All right. I'll do what I can. Good. <laughs> um, where can people find you on all the socials? Um, untamedaggression.com is uh, my main site. Um, links to all the social medias are on there. Um, and then there's headsapopping.com as well, uh, which is specifically for the uh, forthcoming motion picture. Heads are popping. All right. Thanks very much for listening. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever you listen to us on, be that Stitcher. Apple Podcasts, YouTube, all them places. You'll find us there. Please do the things I said. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Track. That's with a YR, not a your. And please don't forget, if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking. <laughs> <laughs>